0: Good morning everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and this is Pastor Terry
1: Shuff.
0: Pastor Terry Schuff having more fun and enjoying Jesus more than anybody should possibly be allowed in this lifetime. But we're doing it anyway And because this is the day that the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know, the Word says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. And so if we're going to bless the Lord, it's, it needs to be all of our soul. It needs to be our intellect, our seat of emotions. It needs to be every thought, every demonstration of everything in our life. And so if we're blessing the Lord, all our soul, and all that's within us, that it should bless His holy name. So folks, we've come here today to bless the holy name of Jesus, to lift Him up and declare His majesty and His lordship around the nations. And so, we're so glad that you're joining us here today. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry uh, and Biblical Studies. It is an online expository teaching throughout the Word of God. And currently we are doing a study in the book of Romans. And so if you're tuning in for us the first time, this is class number 104. Is that right? 104th class, brother, in the book of Romans. And it just doesn't get any better than this. It's, we're just clicking right along. But if you've missed out on those, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com and you can click on Raven Magazine. And we have these available uh, on the website
1: for download in MP3 format. What are we trying to do here, <laughs> I had a homeless guy yesterday I was talking to named Lenny. And he was telling me that uh, Romans is his... His favorite book. Is that right? And I said, well, brother, I said, we're going to have to get you set up to be able to listen to Give him to a CD TV. player
0: and start burning this stuff for He him. was
1: excited about that. He's excited about meeting you Sunday. Amen. You know, it's interesting. You get into the book of Romans, it
0: can fast become your, your favorite book. And we called it from the beginning kind of the Magna Carta of the New Covenant. Because it really, it's a summation of everything that it is. And You, you see as we go through this, any subject matter... Uh, relative to the the, the the believer's walk of victory and faith and everything is right here in the book of Romans. And we've covered most of it. We're only halfway through it. So, you know, we're, we're on for a, a great ride and some tremendous things for, that God is doing. So we appreciate you joining with us. And again, if you want to download those, you can go to our website and uh, download those in MP3 format. Absolutely free. We're actually working on a new... Uh, audio hosting the one that we've been using is just very unreliable and so we're going to start correcting some of those links the one it does it's dropping our links off in some of their advertising is not conducive to what we want people to be looking at so i'm actually working on a, another thing that we can put those on so it'll be a lot easier to download or listen to and that should be available in the next week or so so those are going to be there again. Uh, glad to have you. And uh, once again, we thank our. We got uh, several of our pastor friends from other countries that join with us on a regular basis. Uh, pastor Z's and uh, from uh, uh, Palestine, uh, excuse me, from Pakistan is on with us, and he downloads these and, and shares them with his people. And we're planning on trying to get into into Pakistan sometime in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. And also our, our dear friend from Nigeria, pastor that we've been talking to, he's been taking these and downloading them, and he's wanting us to come to Nigeria and teach his. Leaders and, and do some uh, some crusades and some street ministry and whatnot in Nigeria in August of next year and so praise God for them and Sister Sandra Berry Young notified me she wants us to come in 2009 or 10 I believe it is for the World Cup to South Africa and minister there so we got these pastors and minister friends from all over the world that literally are tuning in with us or listening to these on a delayed broadcast because of the time differential in other countries so we welcome them and thank them so much for being a part of that. And uh, we just know God's doing some tremendous things. So hopefully what we're desiring to do is just to ignite really a passion for you for the Word of God and a desire to, to get into the Word of God and just really discover the, 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 the principles and the, the passion and the power that the Lord Jesus Christ has uh, afforded us through His Word and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So good to have you today. If you ever have any questions about any of the teaching, somebody said we're cutting in and out a lot, so maybe we can try to correct that. Is anybody else cutting in and out a lot? Anybody else beside Lucy got a Raven Amarillo cutting out too? See if we can fix that. Tell me if I'm correcting anything and we'll get
1: that taken care of. Wanda Lynn, any better? Any better? Any better? Brother, I know when you mention Africa, Eileen. Uh... Hold on a second,
0: brother. let me make sure we got our sound back.
1: Okay. How's
0: our sound? Is it better now? Okay. I guess we've been fixed. Okay, brother, go ahead.
1: I just know every time you mention Africa, Eileen's getting excited. You know, that's always been her heart's desire to be able to go over and minister in Africa.
0: Amen. Maybe it would be a chance we can take a good-sized team into Africa, except that we're frozen. Are you sure we're frozen? Okay. Praise God for that. Anyway, we'll get rolling on this. We have any other it's stable now and we're chosen. You know, we want to we do not want to be unstable in all of our ways or double minded, so <laughs> we're here trying to get stable on video and audio. Anyway, good to have you folks, and we're gonna be, like I said, in the book of Romans today, the the, the eighth chapter. And so Pastor, why don't you open us in prayer today and we'll dive
1: right into today's teaching? Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your word. Father, we I just don't know well, Father, what Father what I do without your word. And Father just help us today to be able to absorb your word father and and to be doers of your word father and not mere listeners father father we lift up all those who are going through uh, sickness and disease father and father uh pastor don and his family father we just pray protection over them father to know that they've been uh, having this flu type stuff around there father sore throats we just lift that up father and Father all those who are going through anything, father cancer, whatever it is, back problems, father. And father, I thank you that you're healing my back in Jesus name. And father, lift up all those in in uh, our foreign countries, father, Africa in in uh India, father, and in, in Pakistan, father. We just lift all of them up, father, and uh we just thank you for them, father. We just ask, father, that you help them to Absorb the word, Father, and just spread that word throughout their countries. And Father, we thank you for this day, and we just praise you in, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen, amen, and amen. Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 1 through 5, I'm just going to read in their entirety this morning. It says, Therefore there is no condemnation, yea, yea, we ought to be shouting every time somebody says that, to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Uh, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. Pastor, you know, we've been dealing with the subject matter of seeing the righteousness of the law fulfilled in us who are walking in the Spirit rather than in the flesh. And We've just demonstrated that this spirit walk that we've talked about is directly tied to a spirit baptism or an infilling. And this was you know, foretold by John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11 and in Luke 3.36. And further described and promised, we talked about, uh, by Jesus in John 14, John 16, John 20, Luke 24, Acts 1. All these, uh, these scriptures that we've got about tying in the walking. You don't have to write those down, sis. They can go back and get the tape. <laughs> Deb's over here typing frantically trying to get all these scripture references. But really what we're, what we're saying is these is he's, he's promises of no victory. But he also provides us the weaponry. You know, I read an article yesterday, and you know, a lot of you know the, the political climate here in the states right now. There's a you know election year coming up next year, and all these people jockeying for position and and whatnot. And and one of the things it was an article, a, a commentary really, and it said that you know the um, the uh, the Democrats are trying to undermine the war in the Middle East by saying they support the troops, but not giving them the the financing or the weapons to be able to fight effectively. Now, and I want to just leave the war part off. But really, folks, listen. Jesus is not like that. He's not going to put you into a battle and not give you the weaponry to win that battle. And so we talk about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We know that God has given us the equipment, so to speak. He's given us the weapons. He has given us the weapons of warfare to pull those things down and to have victory. Now, the question is is whether I want to pick up a, a peace shooter or I want to pick up a hand grenade. And so, one of those, it, it, they're both weapons, but... but uh, but only one of those is really going to provide me a means of victory. And so, folks, I don't want to have peace to Christianity. Listen, yeah. I don't want to be just an irritant to the adversary. I want to blow the adversary, even if that adversary is my sin nature, to smithereens, if I may. And so, folks, what he's doing, he's given us those things, and he's tied it, and it empowers us to walk out and to live the type of salvation that Jesus intended for us to walk in. Do you have something you want to say on that? No, <laughs> You got that lean on you, brother. And so, folks, it... When, I, when I'm talking about this infilling or this indwelling or this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to say this. It, it's a, it doesn't make you a higher class Christian, okay? It doesn't make you a, a Christian of a higher dimension or anything else. It just helps you to see and realize what it means to be seated with Him in heavenly places. And so you get the realization. And so, it, folks, when, when verse 3 declares that the law was weak in the flesh, what it does, it, it declares that the ability to extract the righteousness from the law that had provided a standard of holiness was an impossibility because of the weakness or the asthenio, or it had no power, so to speak, because of its inability due to powerlessness. And so he went on and provided the power promised in Acts 1 and 8 and poured out in Acts 2 and 4. And so when he tells us that, listen, we, the law did not have power, it was weak, it was powerless through the flesh. What does He do? He provides the Spirit to extract the law. Now listen to what He says. And I'm going back just a little bit to kind of uh, uh, launch us into what we're going to be talking about today. It says that the law uh, was weak through the flesh, and so He had to provide something. It says that the law of the righteousness might be fulfilled. And so He wants us to extract the righteousness, not the letter of the law that kills, but the Spirit that gives life. And brother, you've got to have the right thing to extract. You know, we had Thanksgiving this past, uh, past week and I went and bought a turkey and, and I got, and I wanted to marinate it. I wanted, I wanted to put something in that. Now, I went and bought some marinade and I mixed that up and made it, I took the powder and put the water and the oil in it and got it like I wanted to. But you know what? I had to have a specific tool to put that marinade in. Now, I didn't want that marinade just rubbed all over the outer skin. I wanted that marinade injected into it. And so I had a specific marinade injector. It was a needle that was, that was uh, 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 developed strictly for that. So I filled it with the marinade, and I penetrated the skin, and I pushed the marinade into it. That way, when it cooked and when it simmered, what happened? The flavor of that marinade... Captivated literally all of the meat that we we consume. Folks, listen—that's exactly what he's done with the with the Holy Spirit. Now you can you can, i could have stuck that turkey in, and brother, you know what? It'd probably get got eaten just the same way. I know it would have. But you, there's something about injecting that that marinade into the into the turkey and allowing it. Folks, listen—that's exactly what the Holy Spirit has done to us. It is injecting into us the the power and the ability to overcome and to really to get that type of flavor. in in the Holy Spirit, so to speak. And so, He's given us the power to extract the righteousness through the person of the Holy Spirit. He said He'll give Him, He will lead and guide us into all truth. Part of that truth is extracting the righteousness of God. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And I shared my own personal testimony of coming to faith and allowing faith to be built up in my life. And oftentimes, you know, praying in the Holy Spirit, the Word says, building up our most holy faith. And folks, so listen, if you don't have the faith to extract literally the righteousness from the law, if you don't have the faith to extract the victory from the promises of God, what He's provided for us is the Holy Spirit's indwelling, that empowerment in our lives to do those type of things. And so you can be saved, listen folks, I want to say this, or be a Christian without this power or without this experience. You certainly can, but why would you want to? You hear what I'm saying? You can. You can be a Christian headed to heaven. You can shout hallelujah. You can have your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. You can do that. You can go to church, read the Bible, be a sweet person, and do that and struggle. You can. But why on earth would you want to? You know what, folks? I want every single thing that the Holy Spirit has for me. I I love what Paul the Apostle said in the Corinthian letter. He said, seek out earnestly the best gifts. Earnestly. And we know that we do not... Have because we do not ask. And so I want to ask of God. And I want, how much more the Holy Spirit will He give to them that ask? Not to them that sit back and say, God, you know what? If He wants me to have it, He's just going to give it to me. That's not even biblical. It sounds good. It sounds humble. It sounds real noble, but it will never get you the victory or the empowerment of. He says, "We do not have because we do not ask, brother." I want the empowerment. I want to walk in working the miracles, words of knowledge, prophecy. I want to speak in tongues. I want to cast out devils. I want to see discerning the spirits. I want every single thing that He has for me. Why would I not want everything in the tool belt that He has given us to be able to extract those things from the Word of God? from the Spirit of God and to be able to walk in the fulfillment and the victory that is provided to us in our relationship to Him. So verse 5 says this, brother. It says that they that are after the flesh do mind or are dominated by the things of the flesh. Now think about that. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so they that are after the flesh do mind, or they are dominated by the things of the flesh. What this means, folks, is that there there is always going to be a, a preeminent or dominant force at work that will try to control the manner in which you respond to the righteousness of God. Pardon One or the other. And so if I'm walking in the flesh or I'm mindful of those things in the flesh, I'm going to be dominated. And so what it's going to do is going to seek to control the way that I view and respond to the righteousness of God. Folks, listen. You can be a believer and God can bring conviction and you can respond still one of two ways. You can you can harden your hearts as in the day of the provocation. You can say, God, you know what, I don't want you to hear that. I don't want to be convicted. Or you can allow the Spirit to convict you and mold you and you can say to yourself, man, God, thank you so much. I know that you're chasing those that you love. Brother, for me personally, when I got genuinely born again, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I began to pray in tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance and began to walk in that victory, I tell you what, I, I ceased from that shaking your hand at heaven when things don't go bad mentality. Never have done it. Talk to my wife, been married to me 21 years, got married at 19, we're both nearly 41 now. She'll tell you that because of that, walking in that, I've never said, God, why did you do that? My, my, my attitude has been, God thank you for letting me go through that situation that 's obviously exposing something to me that needs to be exposed that way that you can bring the refining fire into my life to, to, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness folks listen that 's when we begin to, to, to have the spirit of God interceding and praying in, with us and in us with those groanings that cannot be uttered or articulated in a normal speaking voice and so folks we don 't want to respond negatively or respond uh, contrary to the spirit of God what we want to do is we always want to respond uh, in agreement with the righteousness of God as He's moving our life. And so folks, listen, apart from the sanctifying nature and empowering ability afforded to us through the Spirit of God taking the place of that previous flesh domination, we are left to depend upon the flesh or the will of self which was willpower, good intentions, some type of moral standard or religiosity, to provide the strength to overcome the attacks of the adversaries, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Folks, listen. What's going to happen in the believer's life, and many of you have experienced this just like we have at particular times in our life. When you're not, quote-unquote, walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit's not indwelling you in power, what you always want to divert to is your ability to overcome. Now, your ability to overcome may be, okay, if I can just remember enough Scripture. Your ability to overcome may be, well, if I can just pray long enough. Your ability to overcome, well, if I can just go to enough church services, to enough prayer meetings, I can just listen to enough praise and worship songs. Those things are great. But what do they do? They put the reliance back on your self-will Regardless of that self-will is trying to bring into the components of, of spirituality, it's still dependent upon that. But when I begin to lean upon the Spirit and allow the Spirit to move in me and to speak through me and to have dominance over my life, what am I going to do? I'm going to begin to experience a victory that I could not do regardless of my good intentions. And so we've got to come to the place of having victory over the flesh through walking in the Spirit. And so folks, when we are left to depend upon the flesh all Albeit a flesh that has been reborn through faith in the blood of Jesus, that flesh will always revert back to the path of least resistance and yield to the demands of the sin nature every single time. That's why you see such a cycle in the modern church of people coming to Christ and backsliding. Coming to Christ and backsliding. You talk to somebody and say, Hey man, how are you doing? They're all fired up. Did you see them the next time? What happened to them? Well, brother, you know what? They're really struggling. Just keep them in prayer. Now, how many times have, have we heard that? That you ask about somebody that you met or something at the church and men that were doing great and you ask about the next time say, you know, they're really not there. Or somebody had a radical experience with Jesus and you know what, they got saved, they're not doing drugs anymore, they went back to their family and, and eight months later say, hey, well, how's old such and such doing? Well, brother, keep them in prayer because they're, they're really struggling. What happened? They, they had a born-again experience. They, they put faith in the blood of Jesus. But what happened is, is because they did not let, allow themselves to come under full subjection to the Spirit of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and begin to exercise that on a moment-by-moment, moment, daily basis by taking up the cross and following Him, what happened? They found themselves once again falling back into that trap of the sin nature. That is why we have the promise of that indwelling or baptizing spirit that, that not only promised it, but delivered on that promise. And so Paul the Apostle, the author of the Roman letter, also uh, wrote the Corinthian letter. And I love what he wrote here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 16. He said, For I think that God has de- displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. What's he saying? He said, listen, God called us as, as examples. He called us as leaders. He called us in this apostolic office to, to literally to be condemned unto death. Now, he's saying, well, God has called us to, to be mean to us. No, listen, what he literally meant, he called us to come to that place of crucifying ourselves. Why? Because to make us a spectacle. What's a spectacle? What is a spectacle? If somebody makes a spectacle out of themselves, what are they doing? Trying to stand out. Standing out. They're drawing attention. And so that's exactly what Paul said. He said, listen, we've become, uh, uh, we're, we're called as apostles. God has set us apart, condemned us unto death, showing that this life has no value, showing that, listen, there is a victory beyond circumstance. Look how every one of them died. Every one of them were martyred, with the exception of John on the Isle of Patmos, died of old age. But every one of them were put as a spectacle. And so a spectacle is what we need to put our attention. It's something that draws our attention away from the crowd. Onto the the individual thing, folks. Listen, we need to live a life that literally causes us to be a spectacle before men. The, the righteousness and the boldness, the holiness, the power, the declaration of faith, the, the commitment to the Word of God—all those things need to set us apart from the crowd. We need to be. We need to be noticed. We need to be like the like Jesus said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We need to be that that glorious illumination of God's light and God's truth to a darkened world. We need to be the manifestation of of, of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That He has has caused us to follow the pattern of that day spring on high that's business that to give life to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death according to to Luke chapter 1 verses 76 through 78. And to walk in that type of victory and demonstration of that power and authority that He has given us. But the only way we're going to do that is to be that spectacle. He says in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 4, He says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are distinguished but but we are uh, you are distinguished but we are dishonored and so he's, he's putting a uh, 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 what do you call it a comparison he's saying listen your your focus is this but our focus is that your, your focus is to be wise in Christ we're to be weak because we know that when we're weak that we're strong your focus is to be distinguished we're to be dishonored we want to humble ourselves that he can bring grace he said to the present hour we both hunger and thirst we are poorly clothed we're beaten and homeless don't you love that? And we labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted... We endure. How could they do that, brother? How could they be reviled and they're still blessing? How can they be persecuted and they still endure? Because the Spirit of God had come upon them. He had, he had baptized them, filled them with the Spirit. Being defamed, he said, we entreat. And he said, we have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of, of all things until now. He said, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children to warn you. Listen, you think that being in prominence, you think that being a billboard Christian is going to get you somewhere. He said, I'm telling you, you can be all of those things. And he said, I'm showing you where we are. He said, we're the lowest of the low. He said, we've been, been mistreated. He said, we've been defamed. We've been defiled. All these types of things. He said, and I don't say that to shame you. He said, I say that to warn you of something. What is that? Here he he gives us the the example. He said, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, he said, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. He is telling them, listen... All this stuff that you're hearing, all these things over their, quote-unquote, airwaves of their day, he said, listen, you can hear all that stuff, and all that stuff is telling you to have your best life now. All that stuff is telling you that, that you can write your own ticket with God. All that stuff is, 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 is offering you all these, these empty promises that are going to prop you up. He said, what I'm telling you, you've got to deny yourself. He says, what I'm telling you, he says, that, you, that you're going to suffer persecution. He said, what I'm telling you is you're going to go through tribulations in this world. He said, you know what, i don't say that to shame you. He said, I'm putting this into perspective. You can have all these instructors, but you don't have many fathers. Folks, there's a difference between having an instructor and having a father. An instructor is just going to give you instructions. A father is going to work in nurturing. He's going to build you up. He's going to hold you up. He's going to instruct you, in not only in the ways of righteousness, but he's going to set that example. Why can I say that? Because verse 16 says this. He said, therefore, as a result of this, he said, I urge you to imitate me. What did he say? imitate me or be followers of me. That is the mimiotase in the Greek, which means to mimic what I do. And he said, so listen, I want you to imitate me because of these things. I want you to imitate me because of the victory that you see in our life, even in the midst of our circumstances. And so 1 Corinthians 14, 18. So, you know, if I'm going to imitate Paul and, and see the, the victory that he saw, what do I need to do? I need to do what he did. What did he do? He said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. I issued a challenge after the program yesterday to, to, to Raven Deb and Pastor Terry here. And we were just talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I told them, I said, listen, what you're going to find, I said, in the next seven days, I said, I encourage you to, to pray in the Spirit twice as much as you ever did. When you're driving in your car, turn the radio off and just pray in the Spirit. When, you, when you're just your times of solitude or whatever else, pray in the Spirit. And I said, I want you to come back a week from now. In the program, I want you to testify of the difference that it made. Now, if it didn't make any difference, don't say it did. Now, if, if, you, if you're not really doing it, don't come back and testify. Come back and testify. Listen, I really didn't do it anyway, so there was no difference. But I, I issued a challenge for them. Amp it up. Begin to pray in the Spirit and let the Spirit pray through you and watch the difference. You're going to begin to get the same type of testimony that Paul the Apostle had. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I can
1: tell you already, you know, there's been different things that have... Uh, Come to mind, and since yesterday, that has that has already popped in my mind right away. Just just start praying in the spirit this morning, walking the bridge. You know, just just really praying in the spirit, praying you know, interceding for people, and uh, it does make things easier.
0: Absolutely, I mean, it, and, you it know, it does. all, all that challenge to you folks as well that are filled with the Holy Spirit and and pray in other tongues. Of the Spirit of God gives you utterance for the next six days. And we'll be we'll come back next Tuesday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask these guys. I'm going to ask you what difference did it did it make in your life, or none? And I really appreciate your testimony. And so, at the end of my life, brother, I, I would love to have the same type of testimony that Paul the Apostle had. What was his testimony? Second Timothy four seven. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Well, brother, tell me how your life was. Well, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I did everything that I was told to do. And I, in, in the process, I kept the faith. And so if I want that type of testimony, what do I have to have? I have to have the same type of components in my life as he had. And so if, if I want to walk and see the righteous of law fulfilled in us, who walk after the, not after the flesh but after the Spirit, I've got to be mindful of the things of the Spirit rather than the things of the flesh. And so folks, listen. The testimony of living the overcoming life and seeing the righteousness of the law fulfilled in one's life was not just relegated or offered to a few select individuals, but to all who dare believe and walk in the precepts that have been already established in the Word of God. If you want to walk in power, walk in the precepts of power. If you want to walk in holiness, walk in the the precepts of holiness. If you want to walk in victory, walk in the precepts of victory. If you want to walk in faith... Walk in the precepts of faith. If you want to preach the gospel with, with, with fire and abandonment, walk in the precepts of preaching the gospel with, with a fire and a reckless abandonment. You've got to walk in those things to allow those things to flow out of your life. If you don't... Folks, listen, you can sit on the back burner and kind of simmer until Jesus comes back. But listen, man, I want my pot to be boiling over. I want to be that world shaker and that history maker. I want to cast out devils and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want to preach the gospel and see thousands saved because of the Word of God piercing their hearts. Now, if you don't want that, if you're just wanting to have cut off your little piece of heaven and maybe uh, hide away in your cabin somewhere and say, I just hope Jesus has... Go ahead and do that. And you know what? You can can probably make it to heaven... The skin of your teeth, but man, I tell you what, man, I'm going to be racing to those gates, and I want him to say to me how I fought a good. You fought a good fight. You finished your course, and you've kept the faith. And folks, listen, I think that that Paul, if you'll really look closely, especially at the, his letter to the church at Philippi, the Philippian letter, discovered a tremendous pattern that uh, in which one could live and see uh, the flesh brought under dominance to the spirit, and thus walk in victory over the sin nature. And I encourage you sometimes get uh, open the book of Philippians and say, God, I want to see the pattern that Paul had in that that little short book. And I want you to show me the pattern he established. And I think what is interesting about Romans chapter 8 verse 5 as we're talking about it this morning is really the subtlety of the word usage in relationships to those dominating factors of the flesh and spirit. I want to read verse 5 to you one more time. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now brother, if I'm after the spirit... I'm going to be dominated by the things of the Spirit. If I'm after the flesh, I'm going to be dominated after the things of the flesh. Now, folks, listen. Your fruit will always tell on you. Okay? Now, if you're not walking a life dominated by the Spirit, that tells me something. You're not walking in the Spirit. If you are walking a life that is very fleshly, that is always dominated by the flesh, you're walking in in, in unrepentant sin, there's these addictions and bondages that are constantly in your life, Basically, what we're we telling ourselves, and we're saying we're walking in the flesh. Because the flesh is always going to produce fleshy things. The spirit is always going to produce fleshy things. But brother, this is so interesting. You guys, I hope you don't miss this today. It, it's, uh, and it's really the subtlety of that dominating factors of the flesh. The domination associated with the flesh is one of compulsion. Okay? The domination associated with the flesh is one of compulsion, and so it 's one that, that forces its hand that 's what the a compulsion is it 's something that is, is forcing something you know I, I mean i couldn 't resist i just there was a compulsion that came upon me there's something that made me do it that is it 's force fed dominance that is relentless in demanding the response to be consistent with the sin nature and so if i 'm dominated or if i 'm walking in the flesh or if I'm mindful of the things of the flesh and to be mindful of something to be dominated by it what it means is that there's a relentless demand that's, that's designed for me to, to respond and be consistent with the sin nature the dominance though only leads to heartbreak failure and backsliding and so if I'm dominated by my, by my flesh what it does it's always wanting me to revert back to the sin nature now folks listen we've been born again uh, uh, the old man has become new old things have passed away we're a new creature in Christ Jesus but if we're just walking in quote unquote the flesh nature the, the, our, our own ability, our own willpower, and when I say flesh, I'm not specifically talking about the sin nature. Folks, listen. We are in flesh, and so we can walk in flesh. We're in flesh, housed in flesh. We're made up. We're a trying uh, creature, body, soul, and spirit, and so we're there. But there's a there's a sin nature that resides in that flesh, and if we can bring it under subjection, what are we doing? We're we're we're, we're walking in 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 uh, submission. To the, to the spirit man. And so folks, listen, if you're walking strictly in the flesh, apart from the spirit, what you're always going to find yourself done is drawn back to the sin nature. Now, the dominance associated with the spirit though is one of submission. And so the dominance, and put that down, the dominance associated with the flesh is compulsion, or it's something that will force feed you dominance. But the uh, the dominance associated with the Spirit is one through submission. That is, it offers the believer a better condition with better results, and it only asks the believer to submit or trust oneself to the care of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a big difference in that, brother. Now, if I come under the dominance of the flesh, my flesh is always going to be demanding. It's going to say, come on, you've got to continue. It's going to push me back to that sin nature, self-will. It's always going to struggle. And we're always going to say, well, listen, I'm really trying. Please just pray for me. I'm just really struggling. If you're walking in the flesh, brother, you're always going to struggle.
1: It's like Galatians 6, 8 that we were talking about. He yeah. who sows to the flesh, will reap of the flesh. And he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit.
0: He's going to reap of the Spirit life. So if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. And once again, brother, it will tell on you. Mm-hmm. And so you can't sit back and say, I'm, I'm trying. No, you're not trying. You're lying. Because any time that I try, in the arm of my flesh, I fail. Do you hear me? But when I submit myself or come under the dominance of the Spirit, the, the Word of God promises me victory you hear what I'm saying? And so if I say that, man, I'm really walking and doing everything that that the Spirit of God is telling me, and I'm not experiencing victory, I'm I'm really not being honest. What I'm doing, I'm submitting myself and coming under the dominance of the flesh. And so what happens to this is really characterized, I believe, in James 4 7. And so it says this. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. What's the first thing you have to do? Submit. I have to submit. I have to come under the domination of the Spirit. I've got to come to that place where, where I'm, I believe that God has got a better condition for me. He's got a better situation for me. He's got better results for me. And I've got to come and I've got to submit myself to the care of the Holy Spirit. When I submit myself there un, for, for unto God, and then I'm able to resist the devil and he's going to flee from me. Folks, listen to me. Uh, you, you may be very sincere... You may love Jesus, you're born again, you're saved, however you want to term it. But until you submit yourself, therefore, unto God, you will never, ever be able to resist the devil. The second that Adam and Eve came out from under submission in the garden, what happened? They immediately fell in through the lack of resistance. They could not resist the temptation. They were tempted because they moved away from submission unto God. The submission was, you can have anything in here except that one thing. But when they came out from under the submission and, and did not see that that their sin is something repulsive. See, any type of rebellion against God is something that was repulsive to them and they begin to be enticed by the lust of the eyes, by the lust of the flesh and by the pride of life. What happened? They came under the dominance to sin. If you're struggling with an area of your life, you're struggling with with your thought life, if you're struggling with with an attitude or unforgiveness, whatever it might be in your life, what, what you're basically admitting and confessing according to the Word of God is that you are not genuinely submitted to God. Folks, listen, that The word submit, right here in James 4 and 7, is a voluntary attitude of giving in and cooperating with the Spirit. And so if I have I voluntarily, I've said, you know what, Holy Spirit? Listen, I submit my will to you. Not my will, when you pray, pray like this. Not my will, but yours be done. That is a voluntarily submitting myself to cooperation of the Holy Spirit. And so as a result of that, what does it do? It empowers me. It empowers me to resist the devil and allow him to flee. We, we talked about it in relationship to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I really want to stay on this just for a second in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidentiary gifts of speaking in other tongues. Because, brother, for me, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I, I was. I was waiting for something to take me over. I was waiting on something to dominate me in the, in the same way that the flesh dominated me. I didn't, I didn't know how to get dominated in the way that the, the Spirit dominated. You see what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, in the, when, when I walked in the flesh, basically it just took me over. And it just made me do something. The Spirit doesn't operate that way. You know, you've heard say the, the, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. What we mean by that is the Holy Spirit is all, only coming in your life in the areas that you're invited and where you're willing to submit. But as soon as I submitted and I voluntarily gave in and I began to speak, What happened? That's the reason many times when I pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I have everybody back off. I You've seen me do this probably on numerous occasions. Guys, back off. Don't bombard those folks. This isn't some weird mystical type of thing. This is a faith thing. And I give them the instruction just like the Word of God says. I said, listen, here's what the Bible says. Here's what He promised. Here's what happened. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm, we're going we're to ask God. He said, how much more of the Holy Spirit will He give to those that ask? We're going to ask. He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to begin to speak. says, they laid hands on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. I do exactly that. And you know what, brother? 99% of the people we pray for, in accordance with the Spirit of God, receive it just right there on the spot. Some, you know, maybe it's later in the day or whatever else. But I believe we follow that pattern of what God said, and we teach people submission to the Spirit. And folks, really, that's what it is. It becomes, I'm gonna submit my tongue that unruly really members we talked about out of James chapter 1 and James chapter 3, uh, yesterday and even last night. And when I submit that tongue to him, and I fall into a, a voluntary attitude of giving in and cooperating, then what am I able to do? I'm able to resist the devil. Why? Because now, the weapons of my warfare, Satan, are not carnal. They're not in my own ability. Carnality doesn't necessarily mean sinfulness. Carnality means it's something that is, is derived from my own willpower or my own ability or my own self-righteousness. But I'm able to resist the devil and he will have to flee. He's going to recognize right there on the spot, listen, there's something different about this person. There's a power beyond their flesh. There's a power uh, 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 beyond their capability. And it it's something that is tapping into the spirit realm and they're going to have to begin to flee from those type of things. Folks, listen. You We'll never be able to effectively resist the devil and the wooing of the sin nature without submission to the things of the spirit and imitating the things of the spirit. We've got to always come back to that place of imitating the things of the spirit. Okay, I want to. I want to read something else to you out of James. I'll, I'm going to read the next one, verse. To first Romans eight six says this. It says to be to be carnally minded is death. You hear that? It's to be what? carnally minded is to be death back to Galatians but to be spiritually minded is life and peace folks listen to be carnally minded is to be tophromea tesarkos is is the Greek phrase don't even try to write that down which means to operate in the mind of the flesh and so if I'm carnally minded it means I'm operating in the mind of the flesh it means that the mind is literally possessed by the will of the flesh my mind is possessed by the will of the flesh and that it's under its imminent, if not evident, dominance. That's key though right there, Pastor. If I'm walking in the, operating in the mind of the flesh and I'm possessed, literally, by the will of the flesh, then I'm under its imminent, if not evident, dominance. Folks, listen. Yeah. You may It may not be evident in your life that you're walking in the dominance of carnality. But it is imminent. It's going to reveal itself eventually. You can put a seed in the ground, and you can water it, and I guarantee it's not going to spring up instantaneously. But it's imminent. If, if, if all those components are still in place, one day that thing's going to sprout, and it's going to bring forth fruit. It's the same way in our lives. When we're carnally minded, it's going to bring forth death. We're going to operate because we are possessed by the will of the flesh. That possession may not manifest itself instantaneously, but it's going to be there and it's eventually going to be able, uh, going to going to make itself it's make its dominance known to ourselves but the word death speaks of spiritual death or a separation from god and so one may ask himself the question can i continue to walk under the dominance of the carnal mind or sin nature regardless folks of how moral or religious it may appear to the casual observer and not face the consequences of such can i do that Can I say, listen, I'm going to walk under that dominance of the sin nature. I'm going to walk according to my self-will. It may be a religious self-will. It may be a a very moral or noble self-will. But can I continue to do that and not eventually face the consequences? Absolutely not. Why do I know that? Because I see Christians trying to do it all the time. And that's the ones we're talking about, folks. And maybe this has been your same experience. That you're up one minute and you're just flying high. In the next minute, you know people call you on the phone, oh, how you doing? Well, you know what? I'm just a little bit depressed. I just really can't make it through the day. I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I just just please pray for me. Folks, what is that? The the imminence of you walking in carnality told on you. And you finally exposed the dominance that the sin nature and the flesh as a result of that took over in your life. And so That answer is obviously no, but much of Christianity is is trying to do that. But folks, God has provided the means and the mechanism to experience total and sustained victory. Now, do you want total victory? Yes. Do you want that total victory to be sustained in your life? Yes, absolutely. So the question is, (laughs) is, will we follow the directives of the Spirit or will we not follow the directives of the Spirit? Now, you may be satisfied. Now, you may be hearing what I've been teaching the last few days and disagree with every bit of it. And you know what? You are entitled to disagree with it. Period. Now, if you're disagreeing with it, and you're, you're wishy-washy, and you're, you're, you're uh, uh, unstable in your, your faith, you know, listen, maybe you ought to rethink that. And, or Because i tell you what, man, I, I know what God has done. I know that when I walk in submission to the Spirit, and allow myself literally to, to be possessed by the will of the Spirit, brother, I'm always walking to victory. Now, when I don't, what happens? Man, I find myself under the dominance and the control and the, the, the demands to the response of the, the sin nature. Now, uh, walking in dominance to the flesh will always, somebody say always, will always lead to death. Listen, there's no free pass. There's no maybe to it. And that death is most often a slow and tedious process that comes at you at a pace that lulls you to sleep and then overtakes you unaware. It just gets you piece by piece and bit by bit and it finally completely moves in on you and you're thinking, you know, what happened? I remember when I was really on fire for Jesus. I remember, what happened? You got lulled to sleep by the carnality coming up and the dependence and the dominance of the sin nature taking you over. Piece by piece. What you see that you see that a lot in abusive relationships. Somebody will come to me, and we've counseled so many people over the years in marriages. They'll say, "You know what? When I first married a man, they were just so sweet and nice. But I noticed the change started taking place as soon as we got married." They, they begin to dominate. They begin to become controlling. They begin to become very untrustworthy. And finally, it's gotten into a place of complete abuse. Folks, that's exactly what our what the sin nature does to us. It comes in and it woos us. It begins to entice us. Then, what does it do? It starts bringing us under control and it starts ratcheting down on us till it completely tries to bring us to a place of dominance, dominance where we cannot resist it, and it, it, it continues to cause us to walk according. To its nature. Now, I want to read a scripture to you, folks, in relationship to that, for they that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit. Because there's so much of that carnality in Christianity that every one of us confront it. We see it so many times. But the question is, is, how are we going to confront it, or how are we going to deal with people within the body of Christ? I'm talking about lost people. How are we going to deal with situations in the body of Christ that are reflective of what we're talking about today? To be carnally minded to death, but to be spiritual minded is, is life and peace. Romans 8, 6. Now, and I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you that out of, once again, back to James. James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. They say this. Those verses say this. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, okay, who did he address? He said what? What's the first word? Brethren. Brethren. And so we know that he's talking. James is talking to quote-unquote believers. And if any of who you do err from the truth. In other words, you depart from the faith. The Galatians 1 principle. In other words, if I know the truth, the truth that, that made me free, the truth that gave me victory, that gave me liberty, and if I err from it, so he's, he's putting people in the perspective. Listen, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you've known the truth as a brother, but you back away from that, and one converts them, what's the word convert mean? Convert means to turn back to the worship of the true God. It's espritreph. Threpho in the Greek, and it means to be turned back to something. Okay, maybe the others come back in, but I want to finish this. And so, basically, what I was saying, brother, reading out of James, and I want to read. I want to read that one more time to you. I want to read uh, James five nineteen to twenty. He said, "Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death." And so, brethren, if any of you do error now I want to give you a definition for error and write this down Deb on the screen it means to be led away from the truth into error and deception to be led away from the truth into error and deception to sever or fall away from the truth to sever or fall away from the truth and folks listen it's a word that's used of heretics Okay. you hear what I'm saying It's to lead away from the truth into error and deception to sever or fall away from the truth used of heretics. And so, brethren, if any of you do are led away from the truth into error and deception to sever or fall away from the truth, a word used of heretics. Now, think about that, brother, the implications of that. If we're led away... Now, brother, you know, the the Scripture tells us that we are led away by our own lusts and enticed. And when those things conceive, they bring forth death. Exactly what James is saying right here in James 5, 19 and 20. And so where does that lust come from? It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It comes from that wooing of the sin nature. And so if if, if I allow my flesh to be directed off into that sin nature, what does it cause me to do? It ends up severing me away from... From the truth. And what is the truth? The truth by definition is what is true pertaining to God and the duties of man. And so if I am severed or led away from my duties or my responsibilities in one convert. To convert means to be turned back. I gave you that, that, that fancy Greek word just saying, goes Pastor Terry told me. Uh, it's the worship to the one true God. Now listen to this next part. And if one convert him, let him know, let him know the one that's converting him, That he which converts the sinner, okay? To convert means to turn back to that worship. The sinner is one who is devoted to sin. Or one that comes under domination of sin. It's used of heathen people. And so what's interesting about that is in the first verse, in verse 19 that we quoted, he calls them brethren. But once they sever themselves from the truth, now what does he call them? He calls them sinners. He calls them heathens and so he, he he puts them once in cooperation and in the community of the fellowship of the saints but once they're cut off once they come under the dominance of sin what does he tell them? He said, you are a sinner. He said, you've turned your back on the worship of the one true God, and you have, you have, you have failed in your responsibility to pertaining to the righteousness and the requirements that God has for you. And he said, you, you know that you would convert that sinner from the error of his way. Error is one that is led astray from the right thing, by definition. And so if I'm come to error, I'm led away by the right way of doing things. And it says, in doing that, you will convert the sinner from the error of his way, and you shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. To, uh, To save something is to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, by definition. And so, folks, listen. If you think that you can continue to walk in response and in dominance to the sin nature, what you're setting yourself up for, and you are in danger of walking into complete destruction... uh, in, in your spirit. And he says you'll save it from death. It implies a future misery in hell to be literally cut off from God. But you will hide, if you convert them, it says that you will hide a multitude of sins or you will cover them. Folks, listen. We have such an obligation just right there Brother, to to walk in the fulfillment. If I'm if I'm dominated by the things of the flesh, I'm going to walk in the things of the flesh. But if I'm dominated by the things of the spirit, I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to come up and submit the submissive dominance of the things of the spirit. That way when I find myself in regards to my brethren in James five nineteen and 20, what am I going to do? I'm going to respond not according to the flesh that says, you know what? That's sorry, no good sinner. That person, they're just a big flake. That person is just so wishy-washy. But what am I going to do? I'm going to recognize them and, and see them the way Jesus saw them. I'm going to see a person that has found themselves cut off from Him. That has saw themselves departed from the truth. That is in danger of death and in danger of a future misery and hell. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to cover them. Now, have you seen war movies where the enemy throws a hand grenade into a foxhole and one of the people throws himself over it? He covers the grenade to do what? To save the other people. Now, does, does that mean that he's a greater or lesser soldier? No, it means that he's taking up his responsibility. He's submitting to that. He don't have time to think about it. What does it do? It comes out of his nature. It's just by nature he was just willing to do those things. Folks, listen. Walking in the Spirit should not be what we do. It should be who we are. Who we are should be people that are directed, that are led, that are driven by the Spirit of God. And so we have an obligation not only to ourselves, but to do our struggling with the sin nature, to convert that sinner back from the error of his ways. Folks, these sinners, like I said, are not just lost people who have never been exposed to the gospel. These are sincere believers who have just simply never been taught the truth and as a result have never seen the pattern of victory over the sin nature that has been provided through the Word of God. That's what most people's problem is in the church. But It's just very poor teaching. No examples of, of righteousness. No, no ability in themselves through the Spirit of God dwelling in them to be able to extract the righteousness of, of the law through faith. To get those righteous components coming into the Folks, listen. That's what the Spirit of God indwelling the life of the believer, operating in the gift of the Spirit, allows us to do. Extract those things. That way we're not walking like the brother who errs from the truth. But we come under the submissive dominance to the Spirit man who is now residing in us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen. The victory, there is a victory that is available. It is not some spiritual pipe dream that you're thinking that you're just going to have to be some sorry sinner saved by grace and you're never going to be victorious. You're never going to have hope that you're always going to struggle. There is a victory available, available to you. Because it goes on to say there uh, in verse 6, it says, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is to phronema tos mumatos, which is to have one mind possessed By the Spirit. I don't want my mind to be possessed by the flesh. I don't want it to be possessed by that. I want my mind to be possessed by the things of the Spirit. And so, if I'm spiritually minded, or if my mind is possessed by the Spirit, it is life and it is peace. To be in peace, folks, literally, to bind together that which has been separated. And that's the problem. uh, Paul the Apostle said, I would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Pardon? He said, I would not there be any contentions or divisions among you. And we talked about a lot over the last week about just the unity and about loving one another. And the only way you're going to do that is to be spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded is to be bound together with that which had previously been separated. Paul, let there be no contentions among you. I heard that there was divisions among you. But you are the body fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. Folks, we will never walk in that type of victory. We will never walk in that type of Revelation, until we walk after the Spirit. Now think about this. Isaiah 61 and 1. Jesus stood up and He went into the synagogue and He rolled the scroll open and here's where He turned. And He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek he or the poor and He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And what's that? To bind up. To bind together that which had been separated. That's the gospel of peace. To proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound folks listen the only way to, to, to walk in that victory to walk in that experience to, to walk in the holiness of God is to allow yourself to come under the submissive dominance to the spirit and it's always going to tell on us it's always going to be revealed by our fruit folks listen we are out of time today but we're so glad that you're with us we'll be back right here tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern time for uh, another segment of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies but as we close we've got some advice for you Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.